You're listening to The Authenticity Show, where you get to eavesdrop on great conversations about health, creativity, and the quest for excellence. Your hosts are Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. Well, here we are, still in the middle of a global pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, and we found time to record another episode. We did it safely, we stayed apart, we sterilized the equipment, we wore masks, etc., trying to be responsible. And this episode is about tapping your intuition in troubled times. I mean, look, just because there's a pandemic going on doesn't mean you have to stop being creative. I mean, in a sense, it's even more important than ever. Personally, I believe that everybody is creative, or can be, and there are ways to access that. There are ways to bring this creativity out. You don't have to just wait for an idea to come to you fully formed. I mean, that's kind of a recipe for not getting anything done if you're just waiting for your genius moment to arrive, you know, with a bow on it. Anyway, there's um, a lot of great ideas in this episode, and as a creative, you know, artist myself, I can really get behind what Carlos and Satch are saying here. And you know, sometimes great ideas seem obvious after you know about them. And I think that's one of the hallmarks of wisdom, is that after you hear it, it seems obvious. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. Good evening, Satch. Good evening, Carlos. Currently, we're right in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the things that I think is so important about survival and has always been part of survival is intuition. Yeah, it's a good point. The ability to observe our surroundings and um, pay attention to the details, notice the patterns outside as well as inside. Yeah. And tonight we're focused mostly on the things that are outside, but there's some overlap. Yeah, there is. Um, there's so much going on in the world around us that it causes us to go in, like physically go in. I mean, people are sheltering in place. Um, and when you're feeling stuck, like you're inside and you really want to just get back to your life out there, um, sometimes we miss that opportunity that there is a time to be still and there is a time to go inside. And this is one of those times. But then when we find ourselves doing it, All we want to do is get back outside. Speaking of which, there is a chapter in the Tao Te Ching about that particular thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Let me read it to you. I'd like to hear it. Without opening your door, you can open your heart to the world. Without looking out your window, you can see the essence of the Tao or the way. The more you know, the less you understand. The master arrives without leaving sees the light without looking, achieves without doing a thing. Of course, that's Lao Tzu. Oh, wow. That's, that's perfect. It's perfect for right now. Mm. But even though there is a pandemic, just a little thing like a pandemic, um, the things we're going to talk about tonight, I have a feeling that um, if they're good for a pandemic, they're going to be great for the life that we're going to be getting back to when this is all over, because um, just because this thing ends doesn't mean other things aren't going to happen and we're going to have storms in our lives. Mm. And uh, uh, the strategies that you and I are going to share are our own things that we've learned and things that we go to in personal crises or um, crises involving the people around us or even the entire planet. Mm. Um, so things worth exploring because we're going to get through this. Of course we are. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. we've been through worse. Um, you know, you and I haven't lived through, um, disease pandemics per se, but other things. Yeah. And, sure. and, uh, certainly the world has seen worse. Uh, we're going to be okay. It's important that people, um, are reasonable about how they conduct themselves so that they can, uh, protect themselves and their loved ones and, and of course, uh, stop the spread of the disease and all that good stuff. But um, outside of that, in the bigger picture, uh, it's going to be all right. I mean, there will, be, there will be some damage that happens, but this is nature. Um, from time to time, there will be things that challenge and 
uh, bring damage. And there will be growth, new growth, rebirth. There'll be regeneration. It's going to happen. Um, I'm not downplaying the discomfort or the severity of it, just saying that um, bigger cycle in human nature is that we're going to be resilient, that we're going to develop resilience from this. And in many ways, I think the situation um, economically and also physically uh, is going to create innovations like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of people who tackle the problem. There's a, there are people out there who are brilliant in ways that I'm not that will find uh, incredible uh, new strategies. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm uh, aware of the danger to a degree, of course, and I'm also uh, one who leans towards positive thinking, one who, who thinks towards um, recognizing that there's a negative thought, but also leans toward developing more positivity because, yeah, negative thoughts can protect you. They can teach you to, hey, be careful there, that's dangerous. Uh, they can keep us alive. Uh, but to truly live, you have to move from survival into thriving, right? Yeah. And thr- thriving involves a lot of positivity. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, it's easy to um, fall into that little trap of the mind where we say, sure, look on the bright side of something, look on the positive side. Because, you know, people will often say, yeah, but you're staring right at this negative side too. Yeah. Right. Or they claim that you're burying your head in the sand or something. Yeah. Whereas I think the other option is to look at it like this. Are you facing the shadow or are you facing the sun? Because Mm. if you're, if you're truly standing between light and dark, right? Let's face it. That's where you are, right? There is a dark side. Mm. right? It's right there. There's a dark side and all you have to do is turn and look at it and there it is. But then all you have to do is turn and look at the sun. So you don't see your shadow when you're looking at the sun, but you know it's there. Mm. And this is um, one of those situations where it really is good for us to turn towards the sun. Um, It doesn't mean we're ignoring that the shadow's there. It doesn't mean we're pretending it's not there. We're just choosing to turn a particular direction. It occurred to me that the phrase embrace your shadow is actually impossible. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fucking try it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't be done. Um, right. But of course, that's not what they mean by that. But sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we, 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 we like to take those things and play with them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, during this time, I do a lot of walking, as you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, walking, running, hiking. And it's one of the ways that I allow inspiration to flow to me mm-hmm. and through me. Um, but to be honest, it can happen anywhere. I mean, if I see a beautiful picture or a, a curious picture or I hear an amazing piece of music or have a great uh, conversation with you or a close friend or, or someone who inspires me, um, that inspiration can spur other inspirations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, this might be TMI, maybe not, but I mean, great things can come while sitting on the toilet, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> you know? that's right. That's I don't right. know what it is. You're taking a break from the day and you are mentally stepping away from everything else you were just doing and taking care of yourself, listening to your body. I think mm-hmm. your attention goes inward for a moment Yeah, and you become contemplative. Mm-hmm. If I say you, I mean me. <laughs> Not right. every, probably not everyone does, but I mean, yeah. there may be something to that whole thinker position, you know, with the, <laughs> totally, you know what I mean? Totally, you're you're yeah. sitting on the pot. It's, it's very similar. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I jest, but there's some truth to it. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Lots yeah. of people tell me that they, you know, step into my office, you know, it's like they go yeah. to the restroom and they have, they have an interesting thought or a series of interesting thoughts or things they want to, they want to think about. Um, yeah. you know, I have a theory that the shape of the porcelain, um, underneath a body of water creates a particular vortex of energy which just stimulates consciousness and creativity that's probably what it is it opens your uh, root chakra yeah and then it does and then your (laughs) your spinal cord is just sitting right over the apex and you know it just it's 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 like a magic wand well this is just pure science we're talking now this is fact ask a scientist Mm -hmm. um but the point of that uh rabbit trail was just that um 
I'm learning to cultivate a sort of maybe I almost wanted to say friendly attitude towards uh, listening to myself. And you may ask, like, why would it ever be unfriendly? Well, it, it isn't always, but I'm learning to, learning to, to listen more. I've had many, let's say, peaks and valleys uh, in my life where at times I listened to my intuition. It took over my senses and it just kind of came out and it was shockingly revelatory uh, to myself or to someone else. And then silence, tumbleweeds, nothing, dry, desert, nothing coming. And then suddenly, again, another rush of, of insight. You know, some people might say like uh, premonitions or precognitive understandings or just insight, right? The conscious mind, the part of me that's logical and rational, critical, all those things, thinks, wouldn't it be great to have that, to be able to switch on at any given moment, to be able to just open the valve, so to speak, or to throw the switch and suddenly you'd get all this insight coming. Yeah. Um, and there are people who teach or proclaim to teach this. You know, they, 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 they say, you know, follow these steps and you'll develop your intuition. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, perhaps intuition is a, at least a form of unconscious pattern recognition. Mm -hmm. You know, it's at least that. Yeah. If nothing else, it's at least that. Yeah. Um, that's more of an NLP mindset around it, right? Yeah. But whatever it is, uh, if it's something beyond that as well, or in addition to that, um, it's got to start by listening. And there are a lot of things that can get in the way of your listening. I know there are a lot of things that get in the way of my listening. Yeah. Uh, not just distractions, like we would think of, you know, binge watching movies and um, Facebook and all the other things, yeah. uh, kids and jobs and things that need to get done. There's that kind of distraction. But then there's the distraction that is rooted in the pattern of your thinking. And that in itself can prevent you from hearing the rather insightful, intuitive, inspired genius that can come through you if you're not mindful of it, if you don't do anything about it. Mm. Mm. So I've developed more of a friendly attitude towards my own listening. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm starting to learn which things actually consistently bring that out more. And they're okay. not very esoteric things. I, I used to play around with a lot of, I say play around, I used to work hard actually at a lot of esoteric ways of developing that. And I think there's a place for that. There okay. really is. But I think the place for it exists, um, at least to my mind, after what I'm talking about now. I think when you have what I'm talking about now, this sort of practical way of connecting to it, mm -hmm. I think that it, it, it creates um, the possibility to then explore some of these other esoteric ways of doing it. I mean, what do I mean by that? Um, people can take classes in how to um, move energy through their body or to experience what people call energy. Mm -hmm. uh, people take classes in divination, you know, how to use tarot cards or how to use a pendulum or to throw the dice or to throw yarrow sticks, you know, and read the I Ching or all these different methods, you know, for, for reading. People take courses in that and they follow a methodology for developing, they read books on it and I've done all that, a lot of it. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Years and years of it. And at the end of the day, it's the practical wisdom that matters most to us. Yeah. Being able to just know that something's enough, like stop eating or tonight's not the night for me to go out. Mm -hmm. I need to stay in. Like just the practical stuff of listening to yourself, that kind of thing is far more valuable than, in my opinion, than learning how to read auras or something like that. Sure, yeah. You know, there's less opportunities to really apply that other information than there is this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so I think that has a place, but I realized that it, it, it's sort of what's underneath that is this really practical sense of how to be intuitive. Mm, that's a good point. So, that, that's a really good point. Yeah, so yeah, like, I like that. 
you know, exercising and walking and being inspired by beautiful things, if you are mindful enough, uh, intuitive insights can just come. And one of the things that I've learned is, um, at least for me, getting it, getting it out and past my own critical faculty okay. prevents the blockage of that information. Yeah. So either speaking it out, about, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, at least speak it out to a friend or you, or you record it. Mm. Either you write it down or you use a recording device um, so that you feel a little bit kind of committed to the action of allowing this information to flow out. And because you're committed to the action of letting it flow out, it flows. You're not blocking the flow. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you do this and you get past that little internal sensor that's in there that blocks and, and tries to criticize and tries to analyze and yeah. Um, yeah, <clears throat> critique I hate everything. Thing. Yeah, it's, it's annoying. It has a place, but when it's blocking your own ability to speak truth or to speak what feels true to you or feels creative and beautiful and insightful and all that, genius, mm-hmm. you're blocking your deep intelligence, in, in my opinion. There's, there's a part of your mind, part of my mind, uh, that is capable of surprising you, me. It's capable of saying something or showing you something that you might otherwise have not seen because of the uh, censoring that goes on. Yeah. So I'm finding that writing it down in raw form Mm -hmm. is important. So if there's anybody who's listening and thinks, oh, I'm not one of those intuitive types. I'm not a creative type. I would say that's bullshit because... Mm -hmm. The only thing is, are you listening to it? And are you taking actions? I mean, if you want to remember your dreams, we've talked about this in a previous episode, mm-hmm. freaking write them down. Why? Well, I don't remember my dreams. Well, then you write something because you're getting an action. You're starting to unblock the flow. Yeah, yeah. Just write it down in raw form. Mm-hmm. And if you get an insight, and if anybody listening is quieting themselves after a meditation and they get some ideas or they hear something or watch a show and the movie's over now, they're having a whole bunch of really inspired thoughts or whatever. Yeah. Write it down. doesn't matter if you ever share it with anybody. It doesn't matter whether what you actually read afterwards seems profound to you because it might not seem profound after you read it. And that's fine. The job of censoring and analyzing it comes after. It's not meant to be done before you share. And there's, there's always some seed of something useful if you're really feeling pulled to say it or drawn to say it, pushed to say it. Why wouldn't there be? If you feel it very strongly in you, that means by definition that you're, it's important to you. Mm-hmm. So say it. If it's just to yourself, then it's just to yourself. Yeah. Because what I've found through experimentation is that just getting it off my chest, I'll sometimes look at it later and go, wow, that was kind of profound. Other times I'll look at it and go, hmm, what was I thinking there? I don't even know. It was kind of a confused set of ideas. But then I'll sit there with it again a second time, Uh filtering it through me again and go, there is sense to this if I allow my mind to stay in that state now, like to remember what yeah. that felt like, and then to kind of allow some of my, um, you know, conscious intellect into the picture now, because here's where it belongs. Here's where interpretation's coming in. You know, you get this abstract prophecy, if you will, mm-hmm. right? The abstract prophecy okay. is saying whatever the abstract prophecy is saying, but then you have to interpret that prophecy. You need the priest, if you will, to uh-huh. to to interpret the wise saying, right? Yeah. So inside of you is somebody who has been with you all of your life and can interpret Yeah. if you learn how to explore and to express. But if you never try, if you never practice... If you never do it, then of course you'll be one of those people who just says, I'm not creative. I'm not intuitive. I'm mm. not, I don't get insights. Yeah. You know, so you got to start wow. somewhere. Yeah. And, and I always recommend that people, uh, don't just, um, not attempt something because they think they're not going to be good at it, but mm-hmm. to actually dive in and let their, you know, get your hands dirty, let yourself get messy. Don't, don't worry about whether it's perfect. Just get it out, get it off your chest. You may find that there are seeds 
an essence of something that you wrote that can be developed into something really meaningful, really impactful once you just do a little bit of conscious mind mm-hmm. filtering onto yeah. it. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, there are times when I'll sit down and I sit down with the intent that I'm going to find something inspiring. Oh, yeah. Right? I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, boy, I'm staring at this blank page and by the time I'm done, well, there's something special that's going to be there. Yeah. And that doesn't always work. Sometimes it does, but but that oftentimes... Uh, just makes me spin my wheels. Yeah, me too. And I feel such pressure. I know, I know. And then we'll have <laughs> it's gotta like, be good. Like all these these failed attempts, right? It's like you know yeah. your classic writer's block. You know, so like no flow some. in that. Um, and and one of the things that I find that always helps, and I probably learned this from my mom. And I'll tell you how I learned it. Well, first mm-hmm. let me tell you know the idea, and then I'll explain how I okay. got onto this. Um is I might have the beginnings of an idea mm-hmm. and then my mind comes in too much. That critical faculty that you were describing a little yeah. while ago comes in too much and says, oh, I got it from here. And it takes over. <laughs> we got this. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, no, good idea. I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll handle it, right? And yeah. Then, and then it, it can't do it. So then there's a little too much thinking that, that goes on. And then what I find, and maybe you find this to be true, is it's better at that time for me to say, you know, I'm going to just submit this to my subconscious and I'm just going to let this go for a while mm-hmm. and I'm going to do it knowing that there's a pretty good chance that my subconscious will um, know how to work on this mm-hmm. the right way mm-hmm. and that when something's there, I'll get a notification, like a text message coming in you know, on mm-hmm. your phone, but except, you know, coming from your, your, your inner self. <clears throat> That usually makes a difference. And then um, a a little later, it might be in five minutes or it might be a day or two later. But then I'll reflect on that and boom, something comes up, something pours out. It's like, oh, see, it comes back to trusting that that deep part of yourself. Trusting. Yeah. It does. um, And I wanted to backtrack to the thing you said because I think this is an important point. When you submitted it, to your subconscious that way. Um, what you didn't say, but probably did, was really had faith that it was true. Like you, you said it yeah. with faith. Yeah, And yeah. that's the key. Yeah, I love that. And, you, and I was gonna explain where I learned this from. Yeah. My mom used to get sidetracked on what she was gonna tell somebody. And she would go, what was I gonna tell you? Oh, it was something important. Was it? Oh, and she would try for like a little while. Then she uh-huh. would go, oh, you know what? I'll just submit it to my subconscious. It'll come. That's awesome. And then usually in like five minutes or 10 minutes, she would go, oh, I remember what, oh, see, I, I remember what it was I was gonna tell you. Nice. And then my mom would tell me. And so I saw that happen again and again and again and again. Uh-huh. So I just started using it for other things. That's wonderful because, um, you know, in some of our NLP classes, we, we have this cheeky, fun thing that we do about confusion. When people say, well, hold on a minute, I'm confused. We teach people, uh, at least in some of the classes I've been in, to reframe that um, by saying, yay, and we clap and we all like raise our hands uh-huh. and woohoo, that's awesome. You know, uh-huh. you're confused. Satch is confused. Carlos <laughs> is confused. You know, we, just get, we just celebrate okay. it. That's great. Okay. And it's such a pattern interrupt uh-huh. because the pattern you know, back up a second. What is the pattern of confusion? At least to my mind and to my experience, confusion is the mind is struggling or at least attempting or trying to make a form a connection. So it's doing this kind of like, I don't know, a trans derivational search across the different, you know, places in the mind or the brain. And it's searching for ways to connect you know, one piece of information to another. And once it finds a match, then internally everything relaxes and you say, oh, I got it, I understand, right? So so if you think about confusion as uh, that it just means that you're about to learn something, you're just being honest. It's Mm -hmm. a truth. Confusion means you're about to learn something. Yeah, you've said this before, I love this. I've said this before, it's it's a standard thing. why would you have to add to the confusion emotional stress, like the pressure of having to get it right now? Like yeah. in the next 10 seconds, I have to have it or else what? 
Nothing's going to happen if you don't get it in the next 10 seconds. What if it takes you a full day? Oh, no. But at least you get it, right? So the point is, if you remove and eliminate any stress around it, um, like your mom did when she said, ah, no big deal. I'm just going to submit it to my subconscious mind and it'll come back. You know, later I'll, I'll figure it out. She's found a strategy for getting herself to relax. And when you relax, it is easier to think. I mean, how many people... Um, have struggled to remember something when they're panicked and you can see the tension in their shoulder and their face yeah. and their tummy. It's harder to remember. It's harder to think clearly when you're feeling anxiety. Your IQ drops a little bit because you don't stay in the portions of your brain that are really good at executive functions and uh, analysis and recall and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you're in the middle of putting your groceries away in the car and somebody comes up from the street, your neighbor, and you for, you know, it's, it's very easy to forget their name because it's, it's kind of like it catches you off guard, right? You're stressed, you're panicked. But then the moment they walk away, you're like, oh, it's Bob. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you remember after the fact. So this yeah. absolutely relates to the whole idea yeah. of, um, you know, what we're talking about, about, about Ab the subconscious. Absolutely. And I, and I think um, there's an element of acceptance in what you just described, and it's mm -hmm. the acceptance that helps. And, and I'll share... Uh, something that you reminded me of. Uh, many years ago, I used to be uh, pretty good friends with um, a psychiatrist. And I haven't seen him in many years, Dr. Gersten. He's a good guy. Uh, I'd like to connect with him again. Mm. He one time said to me, do you ever like, you know, go to the refrigerator, you go to the kitchen or something, and let's say you open up the fridge, and you go, oh, what did I come here for? And you forget why you went to the fridge. He said he finds that to be a wonderful time to just stop and go, I'm already in a forgetful state. That's the best time to just stop, and just close my eyes and just be meditative for a moment. That's great. I'm just like, that is brilliant. That's, That's a so good nice. hack. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, what was I supposed to be doing? You're like, you know, maybe I'm supposed to be just clear and thoughtless right now. Enjoy that. Enjoy that clarity, that, that mm -hmm. state of no mind, because it doesn't happen very often. So True. capture it when yeah. it's there and Be enjoy it. Yeah, why not? Or celebrate it. Right, get excited. Thank God I forgot what I came here for. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, I think the, this all relates to the idea of like opening up to your intuitive reasoning, your intuitive understandings, your intuitive perceptions, and recognizing that it doesn't have to be a conscious mind thing right away, that, that there are aspects of your awareness that you are not aware of until they show themselves to you or until you become aware of them. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's okay. Like, uh, if you really think about it right now as we're listening and talking, how much of what we're doing is actually conscious? Oh, probably very little. Yeah. And if you think of it like a percentage or a pie graph, I mean, just really think for a second. Stop and notice. If you're listening or you and I will do this right now, just yeah. really think, what are we doing that is actually conscious? Yeah. There isn't a whole lot. Yeah, you're right. There is some, certainly. Mm. But then, then take it out to the rest of your day. I mean, um, how many times do you scratch without thinking about it? How many times uh, do you tap your finger on the desk or bounce your knee while you're studying or reading? Or sure. how many times, um, you know, when you're eating, do you just sort of shovel food into the mouth without being conscious of the food fully moving itself down your esophagus into your stomach and settling before, mm. you know, like mindfulness is that thing that we usually talk about and it totally relates here because mindfulness is the, is the awareness of the, um, of the perceptions and actions in the mind while it's happening. It's paying attention. Yeah. It's more awarefulness. Awarefulness. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's funny. It's I a mouthful. That's a good point. Awarefulness. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, um, I'd love to share something that came to me in a mindful moment of insight. All right. A moment of flow. And I do want to share that these thoughts came in seed form. They did not come in the exact form that I'm sharing it now. They came in the exact uh, underlying pattern 
sort of outline form, but what I'm going to read to you is just, it's that combined with a moment of reflection, that secondary thing I told you where I allowed myself to go, all right, what do I know consciously that could help this to become uh, coherent and useful? Mm-hmm. All right, let's, let's hear this. All right. So the question I asked was, what will be useful during this time? I was doing some constellations work. What will be useful? So it's sort of like asking my generative intelligence uh, for some hints about how to get through this time right now. So I titled this Surrender and Strategy. Living life to the fullest requires seeing things truly as they are, observing and releasing any compulsions to modify them, and cultivating within that frame insightful, wisdom-inspired action. This approach to doing life is a harmonious interaction between your primary three modes of experiencing the world. That is, from your head, from your heart, and from your gut. Stay in a loving vibration where the heart-mind is rooted securely in compassionate values. So often, love is the answer, and it is often all you really need. When making decisions, use gracefulness and efficiency as guides for strategy. You can reason through the steps, deductively and inductively, when need be. Trust your body's instincts and sensations as a guidance system. They are prompting you to action, but take care to coordinate mindfully as the expert equestrian rides the horse. Within quietude is a dimension where your inner wisdom can finally be heard. Silence is golden because it allows you to receive attunements and develop a clear impression of what is. Study the changes in the field all around you by being still and discover the paradox of your stillness within the movements. Not surprisingly, usefulness will arise from what you learn by cultivating this quality. You become more and more aware of more and more subtlety and nuance within everything you experience. Unwrap the present for there are a wealth of abundant gifts awaiting the keen observer who seizes the day. When you no longer need what you want, you can want what you need. And finally, you will allow what is wise to guide your choices. Mastery involves refining the search to a few core suspicions rather than a plethora of conclusions. It is knowing how much we still do not know, but also knowing when to proceed consciously, trusting our unconscious knowings. More useful paradoxes. We learn from failures when we embrace them with curiosity and softness. Confidence, faith in yourself while moving into the unknown is paramount. Resilience is the natural result of surviving and learning to thrive despite the difficulties. So a couple of things about this I wanted to mention. Mm. To live life to the fullest requires to see things truly as they are. Um, you and I know this is Buddhism 101, right? Sure. This is Vipassana 101. Um, and we've been able to uh, acknowledge how wise that is to know how important that is. It's at the root of everything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not noticing that... that um, compulsions can arise causing you to act before you think which is what we were just talking about unconscious actions right yeah there's nothing wrong with the unconscious but if the unconscious is is dominating all of your behaviors then it means you're not examining what might be going on there yeah and there might be better ways there might be things you've learned that need to be updated understood differently uh, very often we get our hands into things, we change things before we need to. Uh, mm-hmm. We create unnecessary drama. We create unnecessary work. We 
uh, flail about, causing more of a ruckus than if we just allowed things to kind of steady on their own. I'm not suggesting you don't do anything. It's just that the more you cultivate the ability to watch uh, what is and to observe the compulsion to act on it, the more control you'll be able to have over when you actually should act, when Mm -hmm. it would make most sense and be the most wise thing for you to do. Yeah. So that's super important. And you can't really live life to the fullest if you're not doing that, at least not from my perspective, Um, because living life to the fullest means uh, being able to cultivate um, yourself along the way. Yeah. To become the best version of yourself as you can be. Yeah. Um, Obviously, the the primary three modes of experiencing the world, I mean, uh, by being able to understand that we have these primary three ways, uh, it makes a heck of a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about head, heart, and gut. Head, heart, and gut. Yeah. I mean, they are different ways of seeing the world. And for those who don't know this, they are actually brains. You know, they, Mm -hmm. they, they qualify these days uh, according to the definition. Yeah. Um, but we know from colloquial wisdom that that's true. You know, um, use your head, man. You know, mm-hmm. listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. You know, yeah. follow your gut instincts. You know, yeah. we, we know these things. This has been observed for you know hundreds of thousands of years, probably. Um, staying in a loving vibration and knowing that love is often the answer and it's all you really need. That's just from my personal experience. Like I checked in that 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 a lot of the solution is going into the heart. Uh, love is so powerful, um, and obviously, love can mean so many different things here. Um, so I'm talking about uh, deep love, uh, broad love, uh, unconditional love. I'm talking about mm-hmm. uh, what some spiritual te- teachings might refer to as universal love, um, divine love, if you will. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to believe in a supreme being to be able to practice uh, being in a loving vibration. It's just saying, um, trust your heart, develop your compassion, live life from that place. And a lot of the problems that are happening will dissolve. If you know nothing else to do, like your mind doesn't know what strategy to use, trust your heart. Meaning go into your heart, move from your heart, speak from your heart, uh, listen with your heart. If you know nothing else to do, you'll probably find the solution Mm -hmm. by loving. Yes. You know, I'm so glad you said that. Um, when you apply a dose of love to any situation, it helps loosen and relax. Mm-hmm. And that's what we were talking about a little while ago. Um, how when you uh, sort of let go of the thing that you're trying to do, mm-hmm. then you're suddenly able to do it. Well, um, I think quite often, or at least one of the reasons why love is often enough is because it gives you that relaxation. You know, um, to, to experience a state of love, compassion, understanding um, involves a certain amount of letting go and relaxing and accepting. Yes. So it almost takes care of it for you. Plus, haven't you found uh, in your life that when you're dealing with a difficult person, that the application of love and compassion, if you really achieve it, that it makes a huge difference in the way that person oh, perceives you and the way geez. they interact with you. Um, I mean, it's not it's a, an not an easy difference. task, mind you, but yeah, haven't you found that to be true? Oh, I have found it to be true. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I found it to be true uh, pretty much all the time. Yeah, I mean, like I can't think of a time when I decided to be understanding and kind and 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 loving to a person or a situation or something like that when it didn't either make me better or them better or the situation better or at least more tolerable. (laughs) And I want to qualify that statement because, um, the, the, uh, devil's advocate inside of me wanted to say, well, but you know, you know, what about those times when I have did something nice for someone and they just didn't appreciate it and just made it worse and they argued more. Right, um, right, right. And I would say, look at the presuppositions in your actions, meaning what were you expecting mm-hmm. when you were giving that loving behavior? What was the expectation? Was the expectation that I'm going to do this and you're going to change for me? 
Right. Yeah. Excellent point. Or excellent point. Yeah. Or were you just truly going into love and, uh, in a sense, loving hard? Meaning, yeah. love them hard. Like right. even when they're upset, you don't necessarily need to go up and paw on them or get in their face and try to kiss them. That's ridiculous. You don't do that when someone's upset. However, in your heart, you can stay open. In your heart, you can yeah. love. In your heart, yeah. uh, you can. Um, generate loving feelings. And when you speak, you can speak from that place of yeah. sincerity. It's a strong place, not a weak place. Yeah. You know, It's a um, courageous place, in fact. It is very courageous. And you know, it, you're, you're reminding me of uh, our beloved Vipassana teacher, Goenka. Yeah. When he explained that when you get angry, when you're miserable, or when you're angry, that you are the first victim of your own anger because now you're living in an angry mind. Yeah. In the same way, um, what's the flip side of that? If you go into a loving state, then aren't you the first beneficiary of right. that loving state? You are, right? So if person A uh, is in a difficult state of mind and I'm person B and I decide that I've, I've found an opportunity right now to choose a more loving approach, mm. I'm the first beneficiary. So to go back to what you said, when somebody says, but what about the time I did something nice and I just got burned, you yeah. know? Like, well, at least for that moment, you got to experience that loving state. Great point. So that's wonderful. Take that and run with it. Exactly. <laughs> well, this is um, reminiscent of, of something else we, we spoke about in the past. I told you one of my pet peeves was the phrase compassion fatigue. Oh, yes. Because I believe I that. that it should be called empathy fatigue. I think it's a misnomer. Uh -huh. True compassion, as I understand it and as, a, as you understand it, uh -huh. is not something that gets fatigued. No, yeah, 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 I... Definitely. Empathy yeah. can can fatigue Empathy you. Empathy can get fatigued. But yeah, compassion is is something that almost uh, protects you from negativity. Mm -hmm. When you develop it inside, it creates almost a um, an internal buffer because, like you say, you're the first beneficiary. So you're you know mm -hmm. the old saying of um, you know when you hold anger in, it's like holding onto a hot coal or drinking poison and then expecting it to hurt the opponent. Yeah. Well, the opposite is also true when it comes to love. When you go into this you know, higher love, this compassion vibration. Yeah. Uh, you're drinking it right away. It's soaking into your cells right away. It's protecting and buffering yeah. you from the negativity. Right. So it's really the most badass thing to do. It, to it totally <laughs> yeah. is. It's like putting on your cape. It is. It's you like know. your magical powers just are, are now seething through every cell of your body. Right. You know, it's like, hold awesome. on, let me, let me put on my love cape. Uh, yeah, here and, it is. Yeah. I said when making decisions, use gracefulness and efficiency as guides for strategy because I'm talking about using the head, the head mind. Mm. Um, we don't want to fall into the, the category of being so cerebral that we, we start to, to become mechanical in our thinking only. Not, nothing wrong with mechanical thinking, it has a place. But if we, if we think of like, how do we guide our mind to be more uh, Jedi-like, more Master Poe-ish, you know, sure. more... Buddha-like, um, it's got to have some kind of a model. So we just real simply mm. uh, could say that uh, when you're um, you're thinking about what will be efficient and graceful, mm -hmm. there's a lot of power. In order to, to make grace, um, it's kind of like you have to put a lot of care in everything you do. What is grace? It's, it's carefully applied power. I like that. Right? Yeah. So it's yeah, not like just that. power, not just force. It's carefully applied. Yeah. So there's this idea that, uh, well, kind of a cute saying anyway, may or may not be true, but it's power plus love equals wisdom. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Power. But I think grace comes in as, as the careful application of power. Yeah. It's wise action. It's, grace, grace is wise action because it's efficient. Yeah, it's beautiful. And efficiency comes along with grace. Yeah, I like it. You, you know, this reminds me of um, uh, our minimalist running philosophy. Ah, uh, yeah. That, you know, just for, for all of those minimalist mm -hmm. runners out there that, um, you know, have, of course, read the book, mm -hmm. Born to Run. Um, one of the things that Caballo Blanco taught, right, was make it easy. Mm-hmm then make it light, then make it smooth. Yeah. Your running technique. So mm -hmm. smooth is last. And then once you get smooth, then you're, you're automatically fast. 
And that's that gracefulness part at the end. It is. You know, it's, it's exactly that. Because you're talking about, 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 you know, the power and, you know, and then like the, the technique. And then when you get it all blended together, you know, then it, it's all of those things. It's yes. fast. It's powerful. It's beautiful. It's easy. I love that. It's light. That's perfect. Then I said, trust your body's instincts as a guidance system. Well, what the hell else are you going to use as a guidance system? You know, you, you've got to listen to what your nervous system is telling you. Uh, you are listening to what your nervous system is telling you, whether you like it or not. But there's a difference between having it force its way upon you, having to scream very loudly and cause pain and difficulty for you, yeah. or you developing the sensitivity, dialing up your sensitivity in a way to be able to, to detect subtle changes in your nervous system. Mm, yeah. That's important. That is important. You know, those of us who do internal martial arts or, you know, uh, are really dedicated to a yoga practice or meditation or archery or anything, um, you know, that involves really paying attention mm. will begin to notice subtle changes in themselves. And that's paying attention to the nervous system. There are feelings that arise, visceral feelings that arise uh, that could be described in a variety of ways, you know, heat, cold, pressure, movement, uh, discomfort, tickles, tingles, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things that can come up in the form of nervous system uh, indicators. Yeah. And in a coaching setting, you know, we try to use that or at least observe it on the outside and then teach the clients to pay attention as well to those feelings by shifting posture, shifting physiology to create the change. So this is more talking about um, the gut okay, to some degree because, yeah. uh, you know, I ended with this statement uh, saying that um, take care to coordinate mindfully as the expert equestrian rides the horse. This idea to me is related to something I, I heard Stephen Gilligan say. Stephen Gilligan, for those who don't know, is, a, uh, is kind of a famous um, Ericksonian style hypnotherapist and a teacher and a psychologist and an NLP um, practitioner and all this kind of stuff. But he's developed his own understandings of how to coach. And one of the ways he does that is through teaching people, because he, he practices Aikido, um, martial arts and meditation. And he teaches people to pay attention to their core, to, to bring their awareness inwardly and to understand the, that the conscious mind metaphor is like the equestrian. We want to ideal conscious mind would be a conscious mind that knows how to settle itself in and be centered, mm -hmm. not denied, absolutely present, but centered and coordinated with the unconscious mind, which moves the body. Right. Okay. So when the mind sinks down, metaphorically speaking, or some people experience it as a visceral feeling, like yeah. I do, okay. um, there's this feeling of coordinating with the core of your body. So deep down in the pit of your belly, okay. uh, the awareness of your balance, the awareness of what some people might call space, when you're in personal space, uh, you can expand and retract that space awareness. Anyone sitting, listening could do this. Just literally close your eyes and feel down into the pit of your belly. And you can imagine that you're sensing larger and larger space around you or less and less space more towards your core. So we have the ability to manipulate our visceral feelings through our our will, through our conscious awareness. But it is the unconscious response in other words, when you persist in it long enough that you get a result, the result is a series of corresponding sensations that come along with the intent that you made use of. You focused your intent to create that change. Okay. So an expert rider trusts the horse, even though there's a certain amount of mindful directing going on from the conscious awareness is not saying that you wouldn't the, the rider doesn't have any choice in the matter of course he does but he's not the horse he cannot do what the horse is doing 
Only the horse can do what the horse is doing. Right. He knows exactly, or she knows how to connect with that animal and trust the... And our, our body is our first pet, right? Our body yeah. is the animal. We are human yeah. animals. They're human animals, as, as, yeah, um, human animals. <laughs> as James Wanless would say. Uh, um, and the human animal has uh, a instinctual understanding of how things need to be. Yes, it does. Yeah. And it's only when we're uncoordinated or disconnected from that that we get all this uh, weird, clumsy behavior and actions that cause problems in our world. But the thing in common with all the people who are very coordinated with their body and really coordinated with their mind is that there is this sort of sense of bypassing any kind of need for analytical thought and just having an instantaneous response. So we, we yeah. would say like a flow state where responses come uh, quickly and powerfully and the result is usually a good one because uh, it's a more sensible action. When you, when you look at it after the fact, you can say, oh, you know, that was actually the most efficient way to do it. Happens yeah, very often. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that's, I, I love this idea of um, the rider having to trust the horse. Yeah. You know, the, the conscious mind having to trust the wisdom of the body. Mm-hmm. You know, and for those people out there that um, don't relate to horses or something like that, you do it in your car every day. You have yeah. to trust your car. That's true. You got to trust that the wheels are going to spin and the axle's not going to break and that the car knows what it's doing. It's yeah. been engineered. Yeah. You know, it, it knows what it's doing. So everybody does this all the time. It's a beautiful metaphor for that, that mind-body, um, you know, cooperation. Well, yeah. And in particular, um, another element of that is that there are quite a few of us, uh, I've, I've been there before, who stop trusting, you know, who... who uh, imagine that the body's trying to sabotage you or it's trying to, you know, yeah. why is my body letting me down right now? Or, you know, they, they're, it, those thoughts are disconnected thoughts. They're, yeah. they're, they're not thoughts um, that are beneficial to you. And mm-hmm. so that's why this is another reason why this is very important. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, silence is, I think, one of those things that, that, there, that a large majority of people become uncomfortable with. Uh, there are certainly people who enjoy quiet. Oh, yeah. However, even some of those people in the right circumstances, if there's a, too much quiet, like maybe when they're feeling a little insecure mm-hmm. in a social setting, where that awkward silence, we've heard that, right? What's mm-hmm. the awkward silence? Um, there's moments where that silence could be unnerving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's normal. It's human to be somewhat um, wary of the silence, even if there's a big part of us that loves the silence too. It's you know, and there's going to be people who are dialed up a little bit on that, dialed down a little bit on that. Mm. Not everyone's the same for their tolerance or enjoyment of silence. But I think everyone can learn to appreciate the value of what silence brings. It's, it's this dimension that allows for you to develop yourself. So if we want to do ourselves a world of good, even just putting 60 seconds of quiet into our day, if we don't normally do that. And I don't mean the moments just when you go to the bathroom or something like that. I mean like consciously inserting some silence, mm. like on purpose. On purpose, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for busy moms and dads uh, who have screaming kids and barking dogs and and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, what a treat to be able to just give yourselves, um, you know, a few minutes of sensory deprivation. You know, yeah. Put oh, an eye mask on and some earplugs in and do some deep breathing and just focus in on drawing your attention. Focus in on drawing your attention away from all the sounds that are outside of you and put it inside for a little while. So I put in this idea about receiving attunements simply because I liked that metaphor. Hmm. To receive an attunement, what does that mean? Our sensory system is learning from everything that it sees. So if we had a, um, a perfectly placid lake and we leaned over and looked at ourselves, we would see a, an undifferentiated 
uh, image of ourselves. And we'd be able to see, oh, there's my eyes, my nose, my mouth, my ears, my hair. But as soon as we splash the water, we create um, these splashes and the change in the, in the, in the, uh, the image becomes uh, bifurcated many, many times. And then you get patterns of waves going against each other. It gets more and more complicated. Um, you get these, what are they called? Interference patterns. And now the image is unrecognizable. We can't even see who we are. So I liken our ability to reflect on things as our ability to see our reflection in things. Yeah. So it's a projection. Okay. Because it's human to project. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the most natural things in the world for us to project. It isn't advisable to constantly project, but it is natural and it's normal to project. Mm-hmm. It's a skill. Yeah, it's a skill. And we, we, we look out into the world for what does this mean to us, for us? How am I related to what I'm seeing externally? Mm. It's normal. Mm-hmm. It may not be true all the time, but it is an important thing that we need to do. So oh, yeah. within the silence is the opportunity to begin developing the ability to see ourselves in the reflection of our environment and to learn from that. Hence, a deeper dive into the intuitive development of ourselves. So we're mm-hmm. talking about developing intuition and being able to, to really tap that. That's a primary way if you yeah. did nothing else. Yeah, totally. I said, study the changes in the field all around you because the field is literally everything that surrounds us. It's just a term for everything, the quantum field, if you want to put it that way. But sure, it's, sure. it's we're existing within this uh, closed system, a rather complex closed system. Mm-hmm. But we have the capacity to reflect and see patterns within it. Yeah. The 10,000 things. The 10,000 things, yes. For a person who does this, there are abundant gifts to be harvested from that. Mm. Opportunities for saying something useful, opportunities for you to realize uh, something that had been blocking you for ages that you can finally let go of. There's just a, uh, an endless supply of abundance that can come from that. If you're willing to seize the moment and seize the day, take action on what you learn. Not from a place of compulsion, mind you, mm-hmm. but from a place of wise choosing. Mm-hmm. You know, that place within you that knows how to reflect and get agreement from all of your three brains can say, hell yes, or hell no, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And finally, um, this idea of the paradox of, of um, stillness within your movement is more of that idea of being at the center of the hurricane. Because even though you're taking action, doing things in the world doesn't mean necessarily that you have to lose your mindfulness. You can orient yourself into the present moment while you're acting in the world. And you do whatever you do more gracefully. Yeah. Period. So when we're learning to cultivate a sense of whatever mastery is, whatever that is, is a sense of, it's a high performance state. It's, it's a flow state and requires that we don't get lost in believing that we know what it is before being there. We can't, you mm. can't know anything without the experience of having it, doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the careful avoidance of those conclusions in a way, um, it's reminding me of what uh, one of my teachers, Michael Watson said, Mastery is the careful avoidance of conclusions. And I love that. Yeah. It stimulated that's, this thought. That's beautiful. I, I picked up something similar to that, which is that um, uh, the more intelligent and educated a person is, the more ability they have to suspend conclusions mm-hmm. while they continue to gather information. Yeah, and there's a presupposition in NLP where um, you're always proceeding into the unknown with a lack of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just accept that and be cool with it, you realize that you don't ever know. Mm -hmm. You can think 
that you're going to step out that door and, and you find your car there and go drive home. But you could step out that door and your car is gone or the tires have been slashed or, <laughs> or you're out of gas or, or something. Or there's yeah. a $100 bill right in front of your car. Yeah. And yeah. you pick it up and you realize, wow, and where you, the hell did this come from? You wouldn't have known that. Yeah. You, you know, it, it happens. Yeah. We don't have perfect precognition, but we do have precognition. We can, yeah. in a way, look into the future. We may not be right. I mean, but our, our, our brains do and our bodies do constantly search into the future for what is most likely. Mm-hmm. That's how we survive. But um, we've gotten fairly good at it. We're not perfect. Yeah. But that's the thing is, is we're always proceeding forward with a lack of knowledge into the unknown. And, and, and so why should this stop you from doing things? Yeah. You don't need to know everything before you go into them. That would yeah, be ridiculous. Exactly, exactly. And it's not even fun. It's not even fun. That's what that's what that's why we go ahead and play the Super Bowl anyway. Yeah, and, and you so know it is helpful to have a few core suspicions about life. Yeah. Um, and this suspicion idea comes from uh, uh, my reading of Robert Anton Wilson, who says, um, I don't believe anything, but I have many suspicions. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And I think it's useful to have a few core suspicions about life because, I mean, that's what we do when we um, search out our personal philosophy is that we're looking for things that are believable and the things that are most believable are the things that are most flexible. Yeah. You know, yeah. The, oh, it's the so more true. rigid so it is, the less believable, believable it is. Yeah. Because it doesn't apply everywhere. I'm so glad you put that into words. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's so true. Yeah. So... Um, all of these things that I've been talking about, uh, what's the goal? To develop resilience. And if you did these things and you proceed and you get to survive, and then you can transform that surviving into something positive like thriving, mm-hmm. at that point, you've already become resilient. It's the natural result. Yeah, yeah. Well put, Carlos. Yeah. So that was some amazing insights in there. Really good stuff. Um, uh, you put some things into words that were um, hard to put into words. Mm. And I can really see how you just let the bulk of that come from someplace inside you mm-hmm. and then applied the mind to just chisel it and hone it a little bit mm-hmm. you know, to, to find the right words. Um, uh, r- r- really good stuff. I actually learned a lot from this. Nice. Yeah. It also clarified some things that maybe I didn't realize that that's what was working for me all this time, Mm -hmm. you know? um, But then when you do recognize those kinds of things, then you start to develop a better relationship with those concepts. You can go back to them consciously. Earlier you were talking about uh, paying attention to what your nervous system is telling you. Mm -hmm. And that it's always telling you something and we are always listening to it. Yeah. It reminds me of having a radio on, but you don't know that that's a radio that's on. And then, so you, you believe everything you hear on the radio or you disbelieve everything you hear on the radio or the radio is annoying you or you can't shut it off. But when you discover, Oh, that's just a radio. What an amazing thing that is. Mm. Now, when I hear it, I can choose to listen to it differently. I can go, that radio was one piece of information. I can go there. I can change the channel. I can turn the volume down. I can turn the volume up. I can move the position of the radio. I could, this, you know, suddenly you can benefit from the radio rather than being tortured from it. Well, Satch, thanks for absorbing and relating to what it is mm-hmm. that, that I'm talking about. I know that a lot of the stuff that I'm saying is, is kind of like... Um, relatable in the sense of so many conversations that you and I have shared about similar ideas, you know, about how to live best, how to, um, how to listen differently and how to explore different ways of, of, uh, working with our own perceptions. Yeah. So that's really, really cool. Um, you know, on the same day that I wrote this, I also wrote a poem. I was out running and I wrote a poem. Uh, I thought maybe I'd share it since it's kind of like, uh, along the same lines as you know, listening to your creativity and allowing ideas to come forward. Yes, yes. And being that it's springtime, I named this Springs Eternal Hope. Uh, obviously a play on the idea of hope springs eternal. Yes, yes. Springs eternal hope and the sun's over the slope. 
The valleys open wide and the rivers course inside. Flowers growing and blooming, lovers groaning and booming. What is the color of that mirror reflecting through the window? Can you smell the sweet scent of its brightly colored rainbow? Octarine shades of luminous flavor flash forward with tongues of time, bringing me back to tomorrow's promise of presence in line. The felt sense of a feeling of what happens. A sensual, sensical nonsense happens. How can this be? Why now, to me? The puzzle piece is the puzzling piece it brings, folding and nestling within an angel's wings. But destiny decides the strides, while fate gives faith in karmic ties. It won't fit into that picture yet, completes another. This peace comes from uniting the peace of self with other. Yes and not yes, but definitely maybe. It's only possible because we can, and we could, and we should, and we must, and we are. Some part of us, some part of all of us is. Sometimes it is nothing short of something divine, but always something is nothing far from something sublime. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Moral of the story is, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we just keep listening and letting ourselves speak out to the world, whatever it is, because if there's something inside that feels important to you, then it deserves to be heard by someone, if not yourself. So get that shit on paper. Yeah. <laughs> Don't criticize it until you've had time to let it soak in. And then allow your criticism to be useful by not turning it into a negative shitty story about yourself. Turn it into something that is useful, that is helpful to you. If you're going to critique, then add something useful yeah. in that critique. Make yeah. it make it a loving critique. Get that shit on paper, Carlos says. Wiser words were never spoken. You've been listening to The Authenticity Show with your hosts, Carlos Casados and Satch Purcell. My name is Oliver Altine. I record, edit, and produce the show. I also wrote the theme song, which you're listening to right now. Um, And in case you're wondering, whenever there's like a poem read on the show or some sort of recitation, I usually have this background music, which is two Tibetan singing bowls and a tambura. And if you're interested, the bowls are a whole step apart from each other. They're an A and a B notes. So you get that nice little bite, that nice little clash, that sonic kind of thing happening. Anyway, we would really appreciate it if you would subscribe to The Authenticity Show wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us on social media. This will help us. And that came, as always, with a please and a thank you. You can find our website at AuthenticityShow.com. Thanks for listening, and have an authentic day.